This is a Squeeze podcast. We're your shortcut to being informed. This week, our podcast is brought to you by BHP. Reducing greenhouse gas emissions in the production of copper is critical. That's why BHP has committed to solar, wind and battery agreements to help power their copper mine at Olympic Dam in South Australia. It's happening now at BHP. Visit bhp.com critical to find out more. Treasurer Jim Chalmers has handed down his first budget. It's the first for a Labor government in nearly 10 years. He called it solid and sensible, but warned that the world is heading towards tougher economic times. So in this Squish Shortcut, we look at the state of the economy, what's in the budget for you, and the big challenges headed our way. Squish Shortcuts is the backstory to the big news stories. I'm Kate Watson. And I'm Claire Kimball. Claire, I'm not sure that many people are glued to the telly these days. I guess they're glued (laughs) to the streaming services. But if you were channel surfing on Tuesday night, you would have found that Treasurer Jim Chalmers was standing in the House of Representatives handing down his first federal budget. Riveting TV. (laughs) Well, look, a very big moment for a new treasurer, uh, especially with the first budget. Uh, The budget speech goes for about half an hour and Chalmers laid out all the economic challenges and the big ticket spending items. Although, let's face it, a lot of what we heard had already been announced in the months and in the days before. We did hear quite a bit more about the state of the economy, and we'll get to that in just a sec. But just to explain, first of all, the theatre and the conventions of the budget, because it is really a huge event in Parliament House, it's not like we find out all the government's big spending plans for the year on one night. There's plenty that's dropped beforehand. Yeah, that's how it works, and it's been like that for years now. Uh, But the journalists who work in the press gallery in Canberra and those who jet in for it still go into what's called a lock-up for about six hours before the Treasurer's speech. They get access to all the documents, the economic papers, and also to Treasury officials who are on hand to answer questions so that those stories can be published as soon as the Treasurer gets on their feet. As I said, it's a big event in Parliament House. In case you're wondering, you do actually literally mean when you say locked up, Claire, they are locked up in their offices, in the press gallery. They can't leave. They can't get to their phones, so they can't leak anything out before that 7.30pm speech starts. Yeah, and this time around, even smartwatches were confiscated. Uh, But the reality is that there's not a whole lot of market-sensitive information left to reveal by budget night. What the government does is instead of having one hit on the night, as you've talked about, uh, announcing all those grand plans, it's sort of filtered out over a few weeks and it really does spread out the good PR and it dilutes any potential shocks to the system. It's a bit of an insight into the politics of the budget. Claire, back to the economy. Most of the grim forecasts about the economy have been revealed in the past few days. Let's get a snapshot of how Australia is doing. Yeah, look, we're doing okay, uh, certainly better than a lot of other countries, but things are likely to get worse before they get better. Uh, So GDP or gross 
domestic product is the value of everything that we make in Australia. It's an important measure of our standard of living, so we want it to be growing. And this financial year, so July 2022 until June 2023, GDP is forecast to grow by 3.25%. But for the next financial year, that growth is likely to halve to just 1.5%. Don't worry if you haven't quite grasped all of that. But just remember that Claire said it's doing okay. It's still growing at a much slower rate than we would like, though. And that GDP number was a bit of a surprise because it's a lot smaller than Treasury forecast just six months ago. And why that's happening in a nutshell is down to inflation and interest rates. So basically, because everything is costing more, groceries, rent, mortgages, petrol, uh, households will be buying less. And that puts a break on economic growth. Don't need to tell people that everything costs more. Certainly Mm. know that. The Treasurer, though, was keen to emphasise, and the quote was, that we still have plenty going for us. He doesn't think Australia will follow some of the big economies like the EU and the UK and the US into recession. Yeah, so that's when the economy actually goes backwards and shrinks. Mm. Uh, One of the reasons he's hoping that Australia will avoid that is we've got a strong jobs market. Uh, So unemployment is near a 50-year low of 3.5%. It's forecast to rise to 4.5% next year, but it's still comparatively low when you look at other nations. And as long as most people who want to get a job have a job or that they can quickly find one, What Treasurer Chalmers says is that we can still keep our head above water. And people listening might be thinking if you've been watching the news coverage and lots of people talking about the possibility of a recession, that that's contrary to that. But that is what he said. He thinks we can avoid that recession. And as far as inflation goes, we know the Russia-Ukraine war is a big contributor to that, pushing up food and energy prices. Yeah, and those global factors are not expected to change anytime soon. Uh, Chalmers says that inflation will peak in December this year at 7.75%, and it's going to be another couple of years before things settle down and gets back to where the Reserve Bank is happy, which is about 2 to 3%. Uh, It's going to continue to trouble us for a while. So as far as the sentiment, it's not a super positive budget, but there is stuff in it for people. Let's take a look at what could be in it for you now. As we talked about, Claire, sometimes what's in the budget is talked about ahead of the budget. So if you've heard the things we're about to talk about over the last month, that is why. What the budget last night did, though, is kind of locked them in with a price tag. Yeah, so we've known about a lot of it, but it's worth recapping some of those measures because they do cost a lot of money. Mm. Uh, So good news for people planning on having kids over the next four years. Pay parental leave will gradually be extended uh, from a total of about 20 weeks at the moment for both parents to 26 weeks. Uh, The key is that it's going to be more flexible. In the past, most of that time could only be used by mum and that's going to cost about half a billion dollars. Yeah, lots of talk about winners and losers when it comes to a budget. I'm always a bit sceptical of that on face value. But if you're reading the news today, winners do seem to be parents because of what you just said, but also because of childcare subsidies. They're going to get bigger from next year. And that was probably Labor's signature election promise. 
Yeah, so the legislation to make that happen has already been introduced into the parliament. Mm. And for families who earn up to $80,000, the government will pay 90% of your childcare costs. A family who earns $130,000, the government will still pay 80% of those costs. And it then gradually tapers down until it really taps out for those earning more than half a million bucks a year. That's going to kick in from July next year and cost us $5 billion over the next four years. There's another one here that might interest a lot of people. Both parties actually supported this one before the election. Medicines are going to get cheaper. Yeah, it's a biggie for anyone with a chronic health condition uh, who might need to take a few medications every month. Uh, From January next year, the maximum that you'll pay for a script uh, is $30, not $42 if it's listed on the Pharmaceutical Benefits Scheme, which is the PBS. Uh, That's going to cost taxpayers $770 million. PBS might be something we have to shortcut at some point. I know you're (laughs) quite an expert in it, Claire, so we'll be looking forward to that. A new one the government dropped on the day of the budget speech was that they're promising to build a million houses. Please explain. There's a bit to unpack with that one. Uh, So we know that there's a big problem with housing supply in Australia, particularly affordable housing. Uh, And Chalmers says that the federal government will hook up with the states and with Mm. big investors. So think about things like big superannuation funds uh, to invest in housing, especially those affordable homes. So it's largely the private sector doing all of the building of the homes. It's the federal government that are going to kick in the extra $350 million to build 10,000 homes between 2024 to 2029. Yeah, and the state and territory governments will match what the federal government puts in. But as you say, with those timelines, it's quite a way out into the future. Yeah, and of course, a lot of people will be thinking, how are we going to pay for all of this? It's about the things you're not doing as well as the things you are doing the budget. Yeah, it's a good way of putting a budget. Uh, And the new government has certainly taken the axe to a few programs that the former Morrison government were pushing forward. Uh, So the cuts total $21 billion over four years. Uh, That's things like cutting contractors to the public service, no more discretionary grants as well, where a minister might be able to give money to a sporting club uh, in their electorate or the electorates of their colleagues. Several infrastructure projects the coalition government promised at the election have also been axed and others have been re-profiled. Yeah, that's a shocking bit of jargon. Uh, We can really chuck that one in the bin, I reckon. Uh, (laughs) What the government refers to when it says it's going to re-profile funding is that it's about $6 billion worth of coalition road projects. Uh, That means that what the Albanese government will do is kick them down the road and not do anything about them for at least another four years, which is as far as the government plans for. So really, don't bet on them ever happening. Yeah, it's a complicated budget strategy, but basically pushing them out um, past four years means they kind of don't exist in this budget. Have I got it there? Exactly right. (laughs) So we've tied up the big announcements out of the budget and we've sort of talked about the challenges facing our economy. Let's get into now how the government plans to deal with those two things. Before we get into what might be in the news next week, a message from our podcast advertiser, BHP. This week, they're keen to share with Squizzers how the resources they mine are key to the energy transition to renewable energy. 
Yeah, we often hear about the push towards renewable energy, but what doesn't get as much attention is the role resources play in making that transition possible. Take steel, for instance. It's a key material used in the construction of renewable energy infrastructure, as well as in bridges, transportation, hospitals and schools. And a big part of it comes from iron ore. BHP says the importance of responsibly produced Australian iron ore is clear. And by that, they mean reducing the greenhouse gas emissions associated with iron ore production. It's why BHP has committed to a solar and battery agreement to help power their port facilities at Port Hedland. It's happening now at BHP. And if you want to learn more, visit bhp.com forward slash critical. You'll find that link in your episode notes. Claire, of course, Labor just got elected five months ago. So this October budget was never intended to have all the answers. A lot of people calling it a mini budget ahead of another regular budget in May next year. That's exactly right. And to be honest, there's enough challenges to be shared across a couple of budgets. Mm. Uh, The thing that you'll hear a lot of talk about is the structural deficit. Uh, That refers to the government spending uh, a lot more than it's getting in revenue. I sent you a text last night saying structural deficit, question mark, help. Here we go. Let's pick that apart a bit. So this year we're doing better than expected. The deficit is smaller, down from an expected $78 billion to $37 billion because commodity prices are booming. The government's also getting a lot more income tax this year because people have more jobs. Those things, though, aren't certain across the coming years. No, and as we talked about, unemployment is set to rise. Uh, So the government can't rely on collecting as much income tax as they are right now. Uh, Mm. So let's say if nothing else changes, revenue might have peaked right now. On the flip side, on that spending side, you've got these structural problems with big programs that we're committed to. Uh, So like welfare and that bill is growing, Mm. unemployment benefits and pensions. Also the NDIS, that National Disability Insurance Scheme, we know that its costs are really going through the roof Uh, and aged care is costing a lot more and all of those costs are rising. So what I've worked out is the structural deficit means we're locked into losing money because we're not going to have the revenue and we can't get rid of those programs. Have I got it? Yeah, you've got it. And there's no magic (laughs) pill in this budget to deal with that. Uh, How the government's going to sort that out is still a big question. Uh, So that's one of the big challenges for the next budget. And you'll hear a lot of economists say that the government is going to have to do something to rein spending in. Otherwise, the country gets saddled with a lot more debt and deficit and the interest payments on that debt is huge. We did hear though a little bit about tax cuts. Stage three tax cuts was what I was reading quite a bit about last night. Labor went to the election saying they would support them. The question is for that next budget, that budget we're going to have in May next year, whether they're going to stand by that position or whether they will get rid of them. Yeah, so at this stage, the government says that there's no change to that. But remember, those cuts aren't due to come in until July 2024. So there's still a bit of time to back out of those if Mm. that's what they want to do. But here's the rub about those. Uh, The tax cuts are estimated to cost the budget $243 billion. That's in lost tax revenue over the decade after they're introduced. Uh, I reckon the government would love to bank that sort of coin. But as you know, it's pretty dangerous political territory to walk back election promises. 
And as you were saying all of that, I'm thinking, but what is stage three, Claire? So just to unpack <laughs> that a little bit, that would give a benefit to anyone earning over $45,000 because the tax rate over that amount is due to be lowered from 32.5% to 30%. It's higher income earners that will get a bigger boost though. If you're confused about all those numbers, I suggest reading the Squeeze Shortcuts email. Sometimes it's easier to read it than to hear it. <laughs> it's actually not that complicated when you drill right down. Down. Energy prices, though, are pretty complicated. Help me out with that. Yeah, it's not a really cheery subject. Um, the budget says that electricity prices are set to go up by 56% in the next two years and gas prices by 44% in the coming 18 months. Uh, Labor ran in the election saying that it would cut energy prices. Uh, and mm. what Jim Chalmers said is that there's more work to be done to work out how to do that. So it's a bit of a wait and see. Yeah, he was certainly upfront about not having the answers to that just yet. Another promise was increasing real wages. Where are we up to with that? Uh, there's some funding to increase the wages of minimum and award wage earners, uh, along with aged care workers. But because of that high inflation, the vast majority of workers, they won't be better off until 2024, the government reckons. So as far as the opposition, you'll hear them talking quite a bit about the fact that they don't think the government can control electricity prices increasing. And they also don't think that the government can put more money in people's pockets. They will respond to the budget, Claire, on Thursday evening. Yeah, exactly right. Peter Dutton will give what's called the budget in reply address. Stand by for news on that in Friday's Squeeze Today podcast, no doubt. That's your snapshot of Labor's 2022 federal budget. On to our recommendations. Each week we give you a recommendation for some further reading, listening or watching. As I said, I'm a little sceptical of the winners and losers. It's often not that straightforward. But if you just want the quick and dirty on who's the winner in this budget and who's the loser, there's a link to an ABC article on that. <laughs> and look, if you want to go a little bit deeper, there's some good analysis from the experts from the Sydney Morning Herald and The Age. Uh, that's all wrapped up in one link too. So we've got that in the notes. Try and avoid budget coverage this week, I dare you. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for listening to this quite long episode of Squeeze Shortcuts, but an important one. We'll be back next week. Kate Watson, co-host of News Club and The Weekly Wrap, jumping in here to say thank you for listening to our podcasts first and foremost. And if you like them, we'd really appreciate it if you could share them. Tell your mates about us. Tell your family. Tell your barista, tell your hairdresser, whoever you think might be interested in the news that we cover. You telling people about us is still the number one way we grow. Thanks in advance.